It's another Tuesday evening on 97.3 City FM. And if you're ready, well, it's time for us to have conversations around technology and the tech ecosystem. This is City Trends. On the show today, we have quite a conversation coming your way. My name is Philip Sean, and you're welcome to City Trends. You can be a part of the conversation on WhatsApp number 0549-986-996. Today, we're talking about Ghana's Payment Systems and Services Act. Lessons for the tech businesses that exist within this space. And the studio with me is Kofi Owusu Nshua, who's a private legal practitioner with a lot of knowledge around this particular act. We are trying to understand why, how we've gotten to this point, what lessons there are for you to learn as a tech business. And of course, if you have any questions that are lingering in your mind on this particular subject, you can share them with us on our WhatsApp number 0549-986-996. Alternatively, you can get in touch with us using the hashtag CityTrends. That is C-I-T-I-T-R-E-N-D-S. Well, if you're ready, let's get straight into the conversation. The 987th Act of the Parliament of the Republic of Ghana entitled Payment Systems and Services Act 2019, an act to amend and consolidate the laws relating to payment systems, payment services, and to regulate institutions which carry on payment service and electronic money business and to provide for related matters. Date of assent 13th May 2019, passed by Parliament and assented by the President. Application of this Act. This Act applies to A, a bank, 
specialized deposit-taking institution, a dedicated electronic money issuer, a payment service provider, an affiliate of a bank, a specialized deposit-taking institution or a financial holding company, and an agent of a bank specialized in deposit-taking institution, um, a dedicated electronic money issuer or a payment service provider. That is basically what this act is supposed to do. But how did we get here in the first place? Remember that this show is sponsored by First National Bank and we are proud to have them on as sponsors. In the studio with me is Kofi Owusu-Nsho, who is a private legal practitioner who has quite a bit of knowledge in this area. And so we brought him to come and give us some understanding of this particular act. Kofi, thank you so much for joining us on the show. It's a real pleasure to have you. Now, let's get straight into it. How did we get to this point where we needed an act to basically uh, map out what exactly we're doing within the payment systems and, and services? Right, Philip. Thanks for having me. Uh, more than a decade ago, uh, the concept of payment systems became rife in Ghana. Mm. Um, different kinds of institutions came into the space, um, helping financial institutions, including banks, you know, to perform all sorts of mobile-related banking services. If you remember, um, we, we had SMS banking, so you'd typically send an SMS syntax to a certain short code, yeah. and then you wait for a couple of minutes, and then your message will come to you with your bank balance and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Around that period, the Bank of Ghana, around 2006 thereabouts, um, worked towards having the very first uh, payment Systems Act. Okay. So, indeed, in the course of our conversation, you will understand that this is uh, the, the second Payment Systems Act, mm. which has come to repeal the very first. Right. Okay. So, that Payment Systems Act essentially sought to set up the Ghana Interbank Payment and Settlement System, GIPS. Yes. Mm. Um, sequel to that, um, we had a number of companies come into the space, the e-transacts. Those days, you know, we had text and pay and, <laughs> right. and stuff like that. Um, so the Bank of Ghana thought that this was more towards branchless banking. Right. Because essentially, what these technology companies were doing, um, you know, were to essentially empower customers of the banks to be able to use their mobile phones to transact banking activities remotely. Right. So the Bank of Ghana came up with what they call the branchless banking guidelines. Okay. And, and the, the, the branchless banking guidelines had some basic tenets. It's important um, we deal with that because mm. essentially, as at that time, this around 2008, 2009, the Bank of Ghana said that if a technology company wanted to do anything in the space under the branchless banking guidelines, you needed to have three things. One, you needed to have a minimum of two banks who were going to be your bank partners. Okay. Um, and this is important because when we fast forward to present day, you'll see the same concept still playing out. Secondly, the Bank of Ghana said that every bank, uh, every transaction that you did had to be bank-based. Mm. And I'm sure you can understand why. Essentially, it stops money laundering and all sorts of... Um, uh, practices that can, you know, uh, turn out to be systemic risk to the economy. Yeah. Then, you know, somewhere around 2010, with the advent of mobile money and all these other institutions, the Bank of Ghana came up with the e-money guidelines, the e-money issuers guidelines. Mm. 
in all of this, what you realize is that the, the industry kept changing, you know, constantly. And so the Bank of Ghana, very proactive, kept coming up with guidelines and directives that sought to uh, govern the space. So um, the weaknesses of the um, of the e-money issuers guidelines, which principally dealt with um, essentially the mobile money companies alone, mm-hmm. um, um, gave rise to the Payment Systems and Services Act. And, and here in the Act, the Bank of Ghana actually anticipates several players, which I'm sure we, we will go That's into, yeah. um, fintechs and banks who want to play the mobile money space mm-hmm. and uh, mobile money companies themselves, whether they are telco-led or they are private-led mm. um, companies and so on. I see. Well, I mean, it, 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 it's great that at least the Bank of Ghana realized probably where the faults were and then tried to work around that. But I'm just wondering, like, the changes keep happening. Today, there, there's an improvement. Today, there's an innovation. Like, how is the Bank of Ghana, for example hoping to keep up? Or are we just going to see probably amendments to this act like every couple of months? Because it's just, the changes are going to happen regardless. So so typically what the Bank of Ghana or various central banks across Africa um, typically do in such scenarios is to issue directives subsequent Mm. to these acts of parliament. Mm. So sequel to this you know act being passed there will be many directives and as a matter of fact there has been several directives during the that, covid period for absolutely. example yeah and okay. which will seek to um get ahead of the curve and make sure that um, innovation doesn't totally overtake um, regulation yeah. yeah that's 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 important that was one of the key issues that i always found interesting now so now we've gotten to this point where the payment systems and services act basically has come into effect what are the key issues that this act is looking to address? Well, that's a very good question. Um, well, part of it you read in your long title mm. when you were um, starting, starting the, yeah. you know, the conversation. Essentially, there are payment systems, there are payment services, yeah. um, there are various players who provide electronic money business. Mm-hmm. All these entities have been anticipated by the central bank and so this act essentially um, seeks to regulate how they operate within the space. Mm-hmm. Um, this act also sets out very clearly um, the types of licensing regimes mm-hmm. that exist for players who want to participate in this space. Um, here in this act the Bank of Ghana has carefully um, anticipated that there could be banks or, if you like, institutions who are regulated by Act 930, mm. that is the Specialized Deposit Taking Institutions Act, mm-hmm. um, wanting to play in the space of e-money. Okay. There are um, players like fintechs who will essentially serve as either aggregators or innovation providers. They have been clearly... Uh, provided for within the act. Mm. So principally, the the act, you know, Act 987, um, sets in proper perspective the various roles that the various players um, who are allowed to play in the as space supposed to are supposed to operate. To, exactly. And operate by. So, so proper frameworks have been um, created for the various players in the space. So, you know, and very clear demarcations. And so, 
Um, it deals with part of the issues that you discussed last week on your mm. show. Um, here in the, in the Act, uh, certain provision is made to prevent um, various anti-competitive um, practices by various players within the space. I see. I see. Well, one of the things also that often came up, and I just wanted to get your opinion, what was the level of consultation between the Bank of Ghana and the players within the space? Because, I mean, there are sometimes often conversations about how some laws are enacted and, you know, there's not a lot of um, consultation with the people who are actually on the ground making things happen. Pair your knowledge of what has happened or what has occurred over the period. What was the level of consultation with the players in the, in the, in the space, in the fintech space especially? Um, Philip, as far as I'm concerned, this is one of the laws that has had the most thorough mm. um, industry consultation. As a matter of fact, if you go through the act, you would think that the industry players themselves <laughs> wrote, wrote the act, right. you know. Um, very thorough conversations. We have had various workshops with the central bank. The central bank has been very collaborative mm. you know, in this, in this space. Uh, one of the most important things for me during um, the assembling of the various provisions that went into the act uh, was the Bank of Ghana's position um, you know, as regulators who were willing to learn. Mm. Um, you know, we have participated in similar events in other jurisdictions and the regulator typically comes to the table with the, you know these are my terms accepted or move exactly mm. the bank of ghana took a rather very um, um conservative um, laid-back position and sort sort of tried to understand the player's perspective mm. and consulted consulted the telecommunication companies the fintechs mm. Uh, the private players who participated in the space as either consultants and so on. Um, there were interventions from various subsidiaries of the World Bank mm. and other donor agencies. And, and, you know, so it was very thoroughly done, which is why I think we have one of the best pieces of regulations um, for a very burden fintech industry across Africa. Yeah, I mean, it's a benchmark now. They always say that it's one thing to have the law. It's another thing completely ensuring that, you know, the law is followed. Mm. But that one is for um, later conversations. But for you, um, as an industry person, as, as a legal practitioner, what are some of the key highlights of, you know, the law that, you know, for you, jump out at you, especially for tech businesses, you know, within the space? Uh, well, Philip, I think that I mentioned from the beginning of the conversation that... Now, if you go through the act very clearly, um, if you are already a financial institution that is regulated by Act 930, mm. the law says that you can have authorization to do electronic money business okay. for you to be either an e-money issuer or a payment service provider. Mm. These definitions are contained within the act essentially who is an e-money issuer mm. and who is a payment service provider right now within the e-money issuer framework there are two types okay. entities like i said who are already regulated by the bank of ghana and so all they require is a, an authorization and mobile money companies for example who would require licensing right. to be able to come under this act and there are permissible activities clearly demarcated for them within the act. Okay. Now, 
There are also payment service providers. Of course, like I said, um, you know, regulations subsequent to the Bank of Ghana's, um, well, to the act being passed, yeah. um, have set out for us the various types of payment service providers that there are. So there are about um, four categories. Okay. We have the payment scheme, mm -hmm. that's the fintechs or the players who deal with cards. Right. Then there is the enhanced PSPs. Okay. The enhanced have um, broader, you know, a broader scope to work within. And later we will go into the, you know, the requirements or mm -hmm. the qualifications. Mm. Uh, but essentially, an enhanced PSP um, does stuff that a medium PSP may not be able to do. Right. So the the third category is a, a medium PSP, and then there's a fourth, which is a standard PSP, which is a very exciting area for young people, for persons who are trying to get into the um, the fintech space with all sorts of innovative apps. The Bank of Ghana has essentially removed almost all caps, as it were. Uh -huh. So all they require is a very uh, low jump um, to be able to get a license mm. because within the categories that I've talked about, there, you know, there are various forms of um, self-regulation loops that have been created. So standard PSPs, which is about the, the smallest category, mm -hmm. um, are regulated somewhat by the enhanced PSPs. Mm. Um, and so... It allows so for innovation. It allows for young people to mm. be able to get a yeah. license and get into the space and innovate. roll out their apps, innovate, and mm. so on. Mm. And allow for other PSPs who are also entrepreneurs and business people who understand the ecosystem to regulate them. Yeah. So these people don't have to necessarily work to Bank of Ghana. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a very interesting system of checks and balances. Absolutely. And, and that's the innovation that the central bank was able to bring to the table mm. as far as this act is concerned. Let's get into what it takes for one to qualify for the various, you know, segues that you talked about. So if we can get just get into that. What 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 will it take for someone, anybody at home wanting to start, you know, a business of, you know, either being an e-money transaction, whatever, to get into it? If you can just clarify those details. So for us. um so typically, like I have said, um, you would have to be a corporate entity, you know, create a, a legal entity to be able to get a license to start with. And it depends on what license you are going for. So if you are going for an e-money issuer's license, uh, well, that's a pretty tall order. Mm. And I'm sure you can understand why that must be a tall order, because you are essentially going to create electronic money. money yeah. And you need to have the capacity, you need to have the technology, you need the to security have especially. Exactly, the mm. security requirements and so on. And for, for the e-money issuers, um, you could be a bank, like I said, or you could essentially be any player that wants to also create e-money. Mm. That, um, that bridge has been crossed by almost all the, um, the telecommunication companies in the space. They all have one mobile money platform or the okay. other. So that in itself, takes care of um, uh, that category of set of requirements for them. Mm. But essentially, they also require to apply to the central bank, you know, do a business plan. They need to be ISO certified. Mm. Um, E-money issuers would need to put up a certain minimum capitalization, which will be kept at the central bank. How much is that? Uh, it's about 20 million okay. um, Ghana cities. Mm. Um, they need to, uh, you know, get data protection certificates, um, 
if you are a foreign company, which is a very good thing, if you're mm -hmm. a, you know, a foreign company or a company whose um, shareholding is foreign, um, what happens is that you need to have a local mm. uh, partner who is Ghanaian mm. with 30% shareholding. Interesting. That is a local content law. Of course. Mm. And, and so essentially it brings, you know, a lot of Ghanaian participation into the financial services space mm. as far as we are concerned. Bank of Ghana has also created regimes where um, for the licensing of these e-money issuers, you need to be able to um, show Bank of Ghana that the platform that you have is a platform that is thoroughly built. You need to be able to, um, it must have integrity. It must be able to sustain the kind of traffic that you will, you anticipate you would be, you know, bringing to the table and so on. Mm. Now, this is slightly different from um, the PSPs right. who are um, primarily um, what we loosely call fintechs. Right. Now, the, for you to be either a card scheme or um, an enhanced or medium, there are various requirements that you're also supposed to, um, to you know, to have. For you to be... Um, an enhanced PSP, for example, you need to have a minimum capitalization of about 2 million CDs. Okay. Now, the good thing is that the Bank of Ghana has come out to clarify that this 2 million, you don't need to put up all the 2 million in cash. Okay. But all the other requirements that I mentioned still hold true for even enhanced PSPs and the card schemes and so on. You still need to have a, you know, set up a company. Business plan. Your business plan, audited financial statements. Right. You need to be ISO certified. If you're enhanced, then you operate with in a card scheme. You need to be PCI, uh, DSS certified. See, all these things essentially go to ensure that you don't become a risk to the financial services space. And um, for um, the card schemes, you need a minimum capital of about eight million. Okay. Uh, for enhanced, for medium, uh, medium for example has a minimum capitalization of um, two million. Well, no, medium is um, 800,000 Ghana CDs. Okay. 50% of which, anyway, mm. you are supposed to have um, you know, as assets, essentially, on your balance That's sheet. That's good. Pretty good. That's good. Very innovative yeah. by, by the central bank. Because others would, you know, want it stashed away at the Bank of Ghana type, you know, which kind of limits the operations of the business. But it's great that at least it's available for you to work with, you know. Absolutely. And that's a conversation that we had mm. with, with the central bank throughout this period. And the central bank, like I said, adopted, you know, hook, line and sinker, some of the proposals that um, were, were, were made by the, the players within the space. Very, very collaborative, I must say. Was it surprising for the players? How cooperative and how open the Bank of Ghana was throughout the process. Well, I won't be able to say. I've not <laughs> dealt with Bank of Ghana in any other capacity right. than the, you know within the the, the fintech mm. space. But I must say, it's been a very enjoyable working relationship mm. with the with mm. the central bank. Mm. Philip, for all these requirements, they mean very little till you see what the the permissible activities are, i.e. If you decided to, for example, go for an enhanced license vis-a-vis -a, -vis a medium, what could you do with that license? Right. So you would realize that um, an enhanced PSP um, can essentially do what we call the mobile money aggregation. Okay. In other words, if you are an enhanced PSP, you get to be able to connect directly to the e-money issuers, whether they're a bank e-money mm. issuer or they're a telco mm. e-money issuer or any other e-money issuer for that matter. Mm. Um, 
you are able to acquire merchants. You are able to aggregate these merchants when you acquire them. You are able to process payments. Mm. And so for players who are processing card payments, for example, you need to be PCI, that's payment cards industry standards. Mm. Um, you need to have the highest standards, essentially because we want to be safe. Of course. Um, you can do inward remittances. You are able to provide payment gateways. Um, and you can actually provide virtual cards, which is something that was wow. uh, the preserve of the bank. of banks, yeah. you know. So it essentially makes an you know a PSP a very powerful entity within the financial mm. services space. Mm. Now, the the difference between this and a medium uh, PSP is that a medium PSP must be connected to an enhanced PSP. Uh, that's where the checks and balances. Come absolutely, mm. absolutely. Mm. A standard PSP can do a lot. They can roll out apps and so on, but they must be connected to an enhanced PSP. Mm. Um, that is because the enhanced PSP mainly is unique for its ability to connect directly to the e-money issuers. Okay. And as an e-money issuer, I'm sure you can understand what the, um, um, you know, the, the permissible activities will include, the cash-in, cash-out, mm. the on-net payments and you know, off-net essentially have capacity to do interoperability and, right. and stuff like that. Mm. I have a few questions that are coming in on Twitter. First one is, where is the line drawn between non-ethical practices and actually law violations? So, for example, charged or charges on transfers within same network that basically have zero cost implications. Banks don't charge for this. So why cashless platforms? I don't know if the question makes sense. Well, if I understand the the question, I think it's a purely commercial um, mm. decision, and because of this, there will be various um, options a customer may want to um, to use. Um, so, Bank of Ghana requires that for you to be licensed within the space under this act, you need to have you know um, a feedback loop. Um, a complaints um, system where customers can co make complaints and so on. So if charges are exorbitant and so on, you should be able to um, re report to the player within the space. But I tell you, uh, it's a free market and there are several um, players offering various services and customers are free to choose whichever one that they want. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, it's a free market. Yeah, absolutely. Really. Um, quick question on our WhatsApp um, line. Hello, City Team. Please ask the gentleman that if he has opportunity to add to what the BOG has done, what will he add? Well, <laughs> almost all the thoughts you know um, I had during this you process. Exactly. But, but looking back, um, we still see the potential of um, certain players essentially dominating the space mm -hmm. and um, we want to prevent the situation where an e-money issuer can also become um, a payment service provider, mm. essentially um, occupying the various um, categories in the whole chain. Um, that must be expressly pre you know, prevented. But I am very definite in my mind that, that the central bank is doing a very fine job as far as this is concerned, mm. and so they are not going to issue licenses in any way. Um, you would require to have a very different um, legal entity to be able to get a license under any of the categories. 
One more question. Um, how far are we from antitrust situations with fintech solutions? Um, and what institutions and measures are there to fight this? So, I guess that's the, um, the point I was just making, mm. that it's a, it's, a, it's a major concern. Yeah. Um, because nothing stops um, a player from incorporating another entity and going for any other category as it were. So today, um, a player could be an e-money issuer and set up a wholly owned subsidiary or a different company, for example, to be a PSP. That um, conversation needs to be dealt with. Um, within the central bank, we know that it's being dealt with anyway. Mm. But um, the act doesn't anticipate some of, the, some of these things. And we think that um, we have to rely on the, world, on the central bank to be able to deal with some of these issues. As and when. As, they, as and when as they, as they, when they, they come, come up. up. Yes. We have a quick question here. Um, Philip, good evening. Kindly ask for me. Gibbs is operating the mobile money interoperability. Does this make it a payment service provider under Section 1D of the Act? If yes, do we then classify Gibbs as a player and a referee at the same time since Gibbs is just an arm of Bank of Ghana? If no, where do they stand with eSwitch and mobile money interoperability? Well, first of all, like I said, the, um, the, the SWILE Payment Systems Act, which has been repealed, um, was the, essentially the entity that set up, um, that, that sets up gaps. Hmm. Now, Section 70 of the present Act deals with the setting up of a clearinghouse by the central bank. The central bank may, by its own discretion, set up a, a clearinghouse. And this clearinghouse will, will have various um, responsibilities as the, you know, the, uh, the central bank deems appropriate and fit. Now, the, for the functions that Gibbs performs in this space, they are functions that are supposed to be um, Essentially, they are building rails for various players within the space to use. So if you look at what Gibbs has done with eSwitch or the GIP or um, their check clearing platform, these are rails, essentially. Mm. So various players within the space ride on the back of these platforms. The interoperability service itself is also one of those rails. And so various players within the ecosystem can connect to this interoperability platform mm. and also do all forms of interoperability. Mm. Um, I must also add that, you know, in the absence of um, specific interventions by the private sector, the Ghana Interbank Payment and Settlement System has taken in its, you know, initiatives to play various roles mm. to, you know, to enhance, you know, the ecosystem and for the ecosystem to perform better. Right. So, so yes, um, they are sort of a player, but they're a subsidiary of the central bank, and mm. they've not hidden that. And I think that, um, that the interventions that they make are not anti-competitive. Right. Um, you know, anybody is free to compete within the act with what Gates does, except for the areas that have been clearly demarcated for them by the central bank. Mm. Um, otherwise, anybody can compete with the um, with the with Gates as a player. Mm. Mm. I have a question here. When are we seeing seamless cross-country money transfers? Does ECOWAS or AU even mean anything with regards to that? Well, there are various countries within um, 
within Africa that allow for out, outbound um, you know, transfers. Ghana, by our forex laws, don't allow for outbound uh, transfers. We allow for inward. Mm. Um, to that extent, um, if you say cross bank, I mean, there are various banks that are playing various roles like um, in, in this space. I, I don't want to mention specific banks, but various banks allow you to transfer money to various subsidiaries within other banks. Um, so from Ghana into Ghana and so on because of the uh, um, wide network, but you know, and because of size essentially. Right. Um, and so that is a policy um, question that um, the various central banks in Ghana, um, well, across Africa, across Africa yeah. will have to deal with exhaustively. I see. Um, that's a very interesting one. Talking about payment systems, please ask the gentleman what he thinks can be done about the current illegal foreign transfers by the Goro boys at Tudu as their activity is messing up the whole ecosystem. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure, Philip. If I'm the not act sure. covers this. Well, well the, the act essentially um, creates a framework right. for transactions to be bank-based, mm. The Act deals with um, licensed or authorized players within the ecosystem. Um, I'm unable to see how a player within the space will allow for its platform to be used by Goro Boys right. to do foreign transfers. Mm. The little I understand about this um, foreign um, transfer conversation, um, I thought they were cloning people's cards and so on and yes. using them for all sorts of international yeah payments. Mm. Otherwise, there's constant reporting that is required within the Act to the Central Bank. Mm. Um, the Central Bank has set up recently the FinTech and Innovations Department. Um, um, and, and so there's proper reporting, you know, there's regular reporting to the Central Bank. I don't see how any player can facilitate those sorts of activities. There have been conversations, for example, about how um, telcos um, and some of their activities negatively impact small fintech startups um, basically muscling smaller muscling them out of you know um, the space i'm wondering if the act sort of addresses this in any way and um, basically how you know is is the act looking at addressing such issues when they come up yeah philip so the directives subsequent to this act being being passed allows for a certain category that I mentioned earlier, which is the standard uh, PSPs to uh, operate within the space. And like I said, these standard PSPs don't have a lot of um, heavy requirements um, to become eligible for licensing. As a matter of fact, um, if you take a look at the, the licensing requirements of these players, um, besides the business plan that they are supposed to submit um, to the Bank of Ghana, um, there is almost no um, there's almost no capital requirements. So you don't need to go raise a um, hundred thousand CD or anything of the sort to be able to get the license. That in itself allows for these small players to operate. What the technology chamber is doing as part of its self-regulation program is to allow for these players to operate within the space uninhibited so that if they are connected to you as an enhanced PSP or a medium PSP, whatever the case may be at any point in time, well, subsequent to the deadlines that the Bank of Ghana has given, they have to be connected to enhanced PSPs. We, the, the chamber is putting together programs that will ensure that players who 
have these smaller, relatively smaller entities connecting to them, are free to operate without um, being afraid of competition and you know being um, run over by the relatively bigger players within the space. Mm. We have a question here from one of our, uh, our listeners. Um, can can we get an explanation of Section eighty two of the Act? What is the duration for the time specified by the Bank of Ghana under? section 82 um sub 1a i don't know if we can just quickly get to um that section and um, if you can provide some education on that for our listeners so um can you explain section 82 of the act um okay. what is the duration of the time specified by the bank of ghana under section 82 sub 1a that so is 82 so deals with unlawful Custody of custody funds. Of funds yes, um, I think it says a bank which fails to, and the part, the specific part that um, the, the the listener wants um, clarification on is credit customers within the time specified by the Bank of Ghana, and then B says or um, return unapplied credits or debits within a period prescribed by the Bank of Ghana, and this is all under the big title unlawful custody of funds. Okay, so. It's, I think it's pretty straightforward. So for electronic funds transfers, um, transactions are supposed to be in real time. Um, so if a, an institution, a bank, whichever institution it is, holds or purports to transfer your money and yet the money doesn't reach the destination, in other words, the transaction is pending, um, the bank, the central bank expects the transaction to be real time. So if it's not real time, and the money is not reversed to the customer within the specified period that is required within the SLEs, as a several the service level agreements that the the institution has put out there. Then they are flouting essentially the, mm. the you know the the, the laws. So mm. you are unlawfully holding customer funds essentially. Right. Yeah. right. Interesting. Um, we have one more message here on Twitter, um, sent in by Coco Ajay. Says um, we seem to have nice laws, but no enforcement. What happens to unlicensed PSPs, and what support is being given to these players to enable enforcement and compliance with the law? So, um, to that to that extent, the the central bank has held various workshops to throw more light on the requirements within the um, within you know this law that has been has been set out um, additionally there are various you know um, interventions by the, tele the the technology chamber um, to provide resource and facilitation for players who um, require help um, largely largely um, I think that the, the central bank itself has created mechanisms where persons are able to send emails and go to the central bank and get clarification on various aspects of the law. Mm. Um, unlicensed players by December 2020 will not be able to operate in the space uh, because they will be unlicensed. And Bank of Ghana has said that if by 2020, which is the grace period that they've given to players within the space, um, if players are not... Um, license you will not be able to operate essentially you cease to operate wow. so we have quite some tight <laughs> deadlines as far <laughs> to, as that to, is concerned to, to, to yes. work with well but at least it's important Absolutely. it's important and um, frederick from santa maria in accra says i'm told that one can transfer money from a bank in ghana to basically transfer money from ghana and um, from a bank in ghana 
um, to anywhere outside Ghana through platforms like Ria, Small World, and Wari. I would like to know if this is factual. Um, so like I said, the forex laws of Ghana do not necessarily allow for funds to be remitted outside the country. Unlike other African countries like Cote d'Ivoire and so on, where you're able to use some of these international transfer organizations to transfer money out of the jurisdiction to other um, other countries. So if um, it is happening anywhere in Ghana, um, no, I'm, not, I'm not aware of that. And as far as I'm concerned, um, that is not something that um, is allowable within the laws. Mm. Mm. So we have one here as well. And payment systems has come under a lot of attacks. What is BOG doing to ensure cybersecurity is top-notch in the country? Especially within, you know, the remit yeah, of the so, so that's a good thing. Um, and I think I alluded to that um, from the get-go. Mm. That's one of the requirements, you know, is for the ISO certification for information security. There is that of the payment cards, you know, industry um, requirements and so on. Um, cybersecurity is a critical um, you know, interest of the central bank as far as the um, the payment systems and services act is concerned. Mm. Players are supposed to have cybersecurity policies, and these policies are supposed to be policed and governed, and reports sent to the central bank on a certain regular basis. So, uh, to a very large extent, if there are players who are not um, um, complying with the the guidelines on cybersecurity. Essentially, they are not licensed yet. They are not within the purview of, of, mm. of the Act, and then mm. they are flouting it, essentially. We have a message here as well on WhatsApp. Do courier services companies um, need all these regulations to basically play? No. So the Payment Systems uh, and Services Act deals with players or technology companies or entities who deal with the movement of funds, right. movement of money, payments. Right. Okay. So you could be an e-commerce, you could be um, a courier company, and, and so on. Once you are not directly interfacing with payments, you, you may not need to be uh, regulated under this, under this act. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Um, we, we have a number of messages also coming, coming through, but I just want us to be wrapping up because we have to get to the segments of the show. Finally, um, in your opinion, um, of course, things are going to change um, there are going to be improvements and enhancements as the, as the years go on. But when you look ahead, you know, of what we have here, what does the future look like in terms of the growth of the fintech space especially? Uh, very interesting question. Philip, I think three things will happen. The first is that we are going to have a lot of fintechs that will, will break bounds and go beyond the boundaries of this country and, and dominate the, the space. We've set up a pretty thorough payment systems and services act which is um which is in a class of its own and um, you know if you t if you do con content analysis of the various um payment systems acts in different jurisdictions mm. this is in a class of its own so players who are able to meet the requirements essentially are almost becoming world class um, so it's a thorough platform um, designed for players to be able to comply, you know. So, so the first is that we will have a lot of players who will be able to operate anywhere else in Africa. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing, Philip, for me is that if you take a look at the economy of even West Africa alone, um, it's a it, it's big deal. And so if the, the free trade conversations happen as they should, I mean, and, and we know COVID has sort of frustrated it a bit. <laughs> we are going to have 
um, players who are who will be able to serve um, the 300 million people or so in in West Africa, mm. which is a pretty <laughs> phenomenal thing. Yeah. But the end goal of that is essentially the size of fintechs we are going to have. So we, right. we are not just going to have fintechs who are able to operate outside the country. We are going to have phenomenal growth within yeah. the fintech space. Yeah. Um, the third thing we see in the future is the collaborations that will be happening. So you would have a lot of bank, fintech, you know, insurance, fintech, or insurtech collaborations in the space. Mm. Um, um, I'm of the opinion that there's going to be a lot more collaboration than competition in the space. We're already seeing that in the area of remittances. We're already seeing that in the area of investment. We're already seeing that in the area of insurance. So into the future, we are going to have a lot of collaboration. So you're going to have players in Ghana who are collaborating with players from South Africa and from Kenya and from um, from different parts of, of the continent. Um, and in my opinion, it will create a very robust ecosystem across Africa. That is, for me, the best way to summarize it. It's a very, very bright future, clearly, um, that we are looking at. Absolutely. And I think what the Bank of Ghana has done in collaboration with the players within the space is to basically put out something that is forward-looking right. and ensures that all the players are basically a part of building a solid enough backbone from where we're going to be moving forward from. And what I like also is that this, like you said, has become a benchmark for the rest yes. of you know Africa, literally. And other even countries who are looking at having sort of such regulation in place that is A, forward-looking, B, very collaborative in terms of the people who are part of making it come together. And it's interesting that, you know, for once... I can have someone be confident enough to say that you are very, very impressed with the way, especially the regulator, the Bank oh, of Ghana, absolutely. was part of absolutely. the process. Um, I think we have just one more message. Um, um, just a quick one. As a central bank, what is their security incidents response um, like for the country? Um, I, I don't know if we can get to that one. Um, and then um, what happens to a pharmacy app? Um, that delivers drugs and has a payment option in the app. This is coming from McAfee from Ayensu Estate. That's our last question so, for tonight. So McAfee's question, um, if you have a pharmacy app, you are not necessarily regulated by this act. You need to connect to a player uh, within the space. So you typically connect to an enhanced or a medium um, um, PSP. And those players are the ones who are going to be handling or processing your payments for you. Uh, because these players are regulated, then to that extent... The, app, the app's function of processing payments will be regulated by the central bank. But then uh, interfacing that will be your, your payment service provider. Mm -hmm. Well, that will be all. Thank you so much for all this um, knowledge shared. Um, I'm sure some people might have you know, some questions, but you can send your questions in. I'll send it to Akofi and then he will probably provide some answers for us. But it's, it's been a worthwhile conversation. Um, thank you. Thank you so much um, for. But before you go, any final words? Um, I know that you've been very, very busy, um, you know, setting up, you know, um, and doing a lot of things in the space. Any final words before you take leave of us? No, uh, Philip, listen, we've, we've had a very enjoyable working relationship with the Central Bank. Mm -hmm. um, the Chamber of um, Technology has also opened these doors for various players within the space to come to it. If there are players 
there are fintechs, PSPs, etc., who seek to play in the space. They should come to the the, the, the chamber of technology, and um, and yeah, we will be able to build a very strong ecosystem. I like that. Kofi Owusu Insurance is a private legal practitioner, and he does quite a lot more. You should give him a call. You know, if you are looking at doing something within the space, he he will have your back. You will have your back. Thank you so much, Kofi, for um, everything. And we are going to get into the next segment on the show. That is uh, the app segment. And Jeffrey Okusapo will be joining us in just a bit. This is the beating heart of an African ready for what is next. And this is the sound of a Ghanaian drum setting the pace. Together, it creates a seamless rhythm of what is and what is to come. A sense of purpose which says that there is more to the Ghanaian than a dream. Ghana always stands ready and First National Bank is happy to invest, partner and help Ghana to discover more. This is why we are happy to announce our acquisition and subsequent merger with GHL Bank, Ghana's leading provider of mortgage financing. A merger which delivers an opportunity to discover more growth and prosperity for all Ghanaians. Listen to the heart beat to the rhythm of the drums. It is time for Ghanaians to discover more together. First National Bank and GHL Bank come together as First National Bank. How can we help you? And now we get into the app segment of the show. And Jeffrey Okusapon joins us with some updates on something that um, has been making the rounds, you know, since last week. Something that um, Instagram has and Facebook, for that matter, has been cooking up. So Jeffrey is here with some details for us. Jeffrey? Um, so uh, we all know the problems going on with TikTok. Yes. And we all know the thing Facebook does that if a competitor is doing well, will be there then we see a small feature pop up in one, on one of its platforms looking just like the other one they've done it again this time on instagram right so this one is called real r-e-e-l mm. it's on instagram okay so t- you go to the search button on in- on your instagram app okay at the top you see it's usually a video it's a video then you see real at the bottom left corner mm. of that video mm. press the real thing and it will take you to a new platform that looks similar to tiktok mm. the difference here is that you see on tiktok the share comment and other buttons are on the right right this time they are at the bottom okay. and when you are sharing a video you remember on tiktok it allows you to share the video itself real on instagram gives you a link to share i see Let's start from the beginning. So okay. let's say I am in IG. Yes. Okay, I go to IG. Search. And then I hit search. Yes. Okay, I can see reels here. Uh-huh. Okay. So just tap on the real, the spelling of real itself. Right. Oh. Now, if you want to add your video to real, mm-hmm. you should see a camera icon yeah, somewhere the on top. the screen. 
Yeah. Press that. Create with reels, record and edit short videos, and share them to explore where mm -hmm. everyone may discover them. Mm -hmm. If account is public, la, la la la, anyone can create reels using your original audio. You your reel may also be chosen as a featured section <coughs> or selection in Explore. Then it, it says get started. So okay. here's the other thing though. If you do your video on TikTok and you are done, mm -hmm. you can download it and bring it to real. Hey, Facebook. Facebook. Anyway, so um, on in real, uh, I can see audio, I can see speed, I can see effects, I can see timer as well. Um, very interesting mm. effects I can see here. Um, I mean, <laughs> look, it's something that you have to try out. Now, here's my issue. Wow. We remember when Snapchat came. All sort of AR stuff were put on Messenger. The camera feature on Messenger. Mm -hmm. Question is, how many people will use that? Mm. Mm. And so, how many people will use this one? Well, I mean, it's supposed to offer something new. I'm just wondering how many people can actually go through the process of discovering real. Mm. You know, because if I have to tap on the icon and then go, like, there must be some tab, yeah. you know, that automatically takes you into real. Mm. I'm just thinking. But, hey, it's part of the learning process. And talking of TikTok, mm -hmm. they've announced their first group of recipients of fund. Funding. Oh, for content payment. creators. Payment. Yes. Well, I think that's a very good place for us to segue into the <laughs> trending segment. And um, our brother, Mr. Entry, is here. Trending segment basically is where we bring you up to date with everything happening within the tech ecosystem globally and locally. And Mr. Entry is the one who basically brings us all those updates. So, I mean, going from TikTok, from TikTok yeah. play, um, paying um, content creators, it, it's taken a while, but I think it's a positive mm. um, for, for, for people who are creating content and obviously will inspire others to want to start yeah creating good content and and actually tells the fact or prove the fact that competition is actually relevant yeah. and then the, the creators of the content mm. actually tend to gain mm. but i don't think this would have happened very soon if real wasn't in mm. i think it's very good uh, on trending i still we still touch on uh, tiktok mm. so last friday uh, president trump asked us us companies to stop uh trading with tiktok mm. because of security issues which it's is, always a security issue uh, <laughs> it's always a security which, issue. which is i think is a, a very genuine concern it's always a, security it's a, a very genuine concern and due to that uh most for tiktok to survive or to operate in us mm. it has to be owned by a us company mm. and there are most brands which are looking to buy the operations yeah, microsoft, of microsoft yeah and the new one we just pop up is uh, twitter mm. so twitter is looking at buying uh, tiktok us operations mm. but there are a lot of questions as of now uh, can twitter do it because in the past when twitter bought vine uh, we all know the story they didn't, go very well, they, yeah. they didn't go well mm. so a lot of people are asking if twitter can actually buy it and mm -hmm. then if and they what buy they are going it, to do with it do with it mm. Mm. no but in this case is it a partnership 
on outright purchase because of the that, American. I think that's where the issue is because yeah. Microsoft wants to do an outright purchase, purchase yeah. but then I think Twitter wants to do a partnership more or less. But what's, a, what's the extent of the partnership? How much mm -hmm. are they going to, for example, pay? Mm -hmm. And like you were saying, with all the evidence of what Vine has become, mm -hmm. it's very clear that Twitter. Uh, just resurrect Vine. Because because I'm also thinking about what Skype has become, yeah. and I'm just thinking, <laughs> what is Microsoft going to do yeah. with TikTok? You know, and what, what they even did with uh, Nokia. Exactly. And Microsoft is not noted for anything social. I don't. I don't what know LinkedIn. what plans they have. LinkedIn. Well. well. <laughs> but LinkedIn anyway, even. <laughs> anyway, any any other stories um, before okay, so we wrap up for this? To show? one last thing, still mm. on Twitter. Mm. Uh, I think some months back, Twitter rolled out uh, limit limit replies to tweets mm. for some accounts. But then today is officially rolled out to almost Globally. every account. So you can actually limit yeah. the number of replies that are supposed to come with your tweet. Yeah. Interesting. I think this is good to minimize abuse. Of course, that. of course. It, if it goes beyond... Um, um, if it goes beyond the you know the wire, then of course you you would have to be able to roll that on. Um, so I think let's go back to TikTok. Mm. Right now they are not in trouble just in the US, in Europe too. Mm. So the data watchdog in France is now going after TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't look like very easy business for TikTok um, for this uh, week. I think I think every 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 serious country should go after TikTok mm. because uh, with with Fran with Chinese laws you are supposed to share data of your business at mm. any time when the government requires for it yeah supposed to do that very controversial and uh, you can't we can if Ghanaians are on on the platform they can share our data with the Chinese government which yeah. that's where the yeah. which issues. organization in Ghana We'll go in. <laughs> anyway, um, with that, we come to the end of this week's show. Um, I do hope you you've enjoyed the show as much as I have. It's been it's been great. Kofi was excellent, and I do hope that um, you go and check out Real and um, <laughs> let us know what your thoughts are on 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 Real. I was never really a fan of TikTok, so um, we'll see how Real goes. But hey. It's all up in the air. Let's see how the dust settles. But it's been great coming your way. Uh, my name is Philip Pashon. I um, was here uh, with Mr. Entry and Jeffrey. Um, big shout to um, everybody. Um, um, Ellen as well um, for assisting with production. And, um, you know, make sure you look out for the podcast tomorrow. Um, the podcast will be available, um, you know. And so make sure you look out for it. And take a listen again if you need some lessons or, or you need to take down some pointers. My name is Philip Sean. But then, till next week, stay, stay techy! techy.